0: Blog Talk Radio.
4: To Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, our Black on News RU, for Saturday, October 29, 2011. This new internet based broadcast is designed to service the African American community in Chicago and surrounding areas. Today's segment is Book Talk with Dr. Constance D. Shabazz. We hope that you join us monthly as we reach out to authors around the country with discussions about their books and the industry. Dr. Shabazz is the co-owner of Books, Inc. Bookstore in Chicago and has been in the book-selling business for over 30 years. So this is definitely the place that you want to be if you are a lover of books. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network, executive producer of Chicago's Black Business Radio Network author of Black America, Asking Ourselves the Tough Questions, Book 12010. At the opening, you are listening to He Loves Me from the International Women of Reggae. I am falling in love with that song. This is Book Talk. I call in numbers 347-326-9477, 347-326-9477. Let's welcome our hosts to the show. Good morning, Dr. Shabazz. How are you? Well,
1: good morning, Sonia, and good morning to all of our listeners. Uh, I'd like to welcome you all to the second broadcast of our show, Book Talk. And for those of you who are just logging in for the first time, we'd like to give you a little background about us and how we came to launch this program. Uh, My company, BookThink, has been in existence for quite a while Uh, We are one of the few independently owned African-American owned bookstores here in the Chicago area. As you know, the the bookseller industry has taken a big hit with the downturn in our economy, but uh, we still are in the game. Uh, We've been in the business of selling books, but uh, we don't look at our company as just a bookseller. Uh, We've done a variety of things with regards to the uh, literary field, and would like to share some of those uh, milestones with you. Uh, we started our retail store back in 2002, but prior to that, we were well-known in the Chicago area as being a, a vendor of books and working with uh, numerous authors, both in Chicago as well as national authors. Uh, we've worked with some of the largest venues, the Black Women's Expo. we ran the literary cafe for TDJ uh, MegaFest back in 2004. Uh, we've worked with uh, a lot of bestseller authors uh, as a part of our own event, which was called the Literary Luncheon. Over the past five years, we've done a number of events here in the Chicago area. One that we're very proud of that we just completed this year was the authors is the office showcase. This is a a program that we have collaborated with the Chicago Public Libraries, particularly the Carter G. Woodson Library on 95th and Halsted, And we have invited numerous authors in, uh, both from Chicago as well as from around the country. We have panel discussions, and this year we've added, we added uh, many uh, workshops on writing, on uh, how to get your book published, on marketing your book, so we really had a great time, and, and I'd like to take this opportunity actually to thank the Carter G. Woodson Library, particularly Bob Gagnano and the staff there. Also, my number one and two volunteers, Monica Croft and Shirley Hawkins, all of our participants who participated on the panel discussions, ran the mini-workshops as well as the numerous attendees who came out to our program this year. One of the other focuses that we have, rather than just giving events, we like to to work with the authors directly. We've done a lot of work around trying to help authors get their work into print. And this year was especially rewarding at our authors' showcase when a number of our panelists said that they were inspired to complete their work because they were attendees at our previous office showcase. So they got the inspiration. They did a lot of networking. We gave them keys and tools to help them to get their work into print. So we were very, very proud of that. So what we have done is to try to expand that outside of the the event itself. So we are in the process now of putting together some webinars to help authors to get their work out there. Last Saturday, we had the opportunity to do a teleconference with uh, bestseller author, uh, Melana Kai. Um, her name. Um, I'm sorry. Her, her pen name is Melana Kai, but her real name is Lisa Woodson. And it was a wonderful uh, event. Uh, would-be authors had the opportunity to ask questions about how to get their work published, going through the self-publishing route. We also work with authors directly in terms of helping them to develop their their manuscript. Uh, We are in the process of putting together a webinar that we call How to Get Your Book Published from Manuscript to the Literary Marketplace. And so what we're going to do starting with this program is every program thereafter we're going to give you snippets of what to expect in the webinar. And hopefully those of you who are interested in writing and getting your work published will sign up for our future webinar and and take advantage of all the services that we provide to help authors to get their work not just into print, more importantly, to get it out there in the marketplace, to find your niche, to be sure that your work gets into the hands of those individuals who are avid readers or need the the information that you are providing or to entertain them. So we'll be talking more about that later on. Uh, Today's program we're going to be uh, interviewing two authors, uh, Shahid Abdullah, who hails from New Jersey, and also a local author who's also a screenwriter and producer, a film producer, uh, Yatasha Womack. Also, at the end of the program, joining us will be a what we call our local literary critic, uh, Laverne Missy Brown. Uh, Laverne is one of the co-founders of uh, Raw Sisters Book Club, but now she currently is uh, involved with and and helped to found the Reader's Paradise uh, Book Club. So we're going to bring uh, Missy on later on to talk about what book clubs are looking for uh, in this day and time and what constitutes a good book. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break, Uh, Sonia. Uh, If you could uh, let us uh, go for a minute here. We're going to bring on our first author, Shahid Abdullah. I hope he's on the line, and uh,
4: we'll start our interviews shortly after this break. Thank you, Dr. Shabazz. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network for Saturday, October 29th. Today's segment, segment is Black Talk, Book Talk, excuse me, with Dr. Shabazz. We hope that you can join us monthly as we reach out to authors around the country with discussions about their books and the industry. Our call in numbers three four seven three two six nine four seven seven. Our call in number is three four seven three two six nine four seven seven. We'll be back with Doctor Shabazz and her first guest right after this break. Thank you.
5: Solutions Incorporated, a network of financial service professionals teaching people how to use life insurance and annuities to retain more of their income and pay the least tax on it. Our toll free number is 877 902 9048. We are proud to have served more than 500 clients, national and international, from ages 0 to 99 for the past 30 years. My tip to you today is, if you are a business owner with at least one employee, including yourself, it would behoove you to get business life insurance. Why? Thank you for asking. Seven points I want to leave with you. Your premiums are tax deductible. Your policy bills cash tax deferred. Your cash reserve inside the policy is yours to use tax-free. The policy will replace your income If death occur prematurely, the company will pay the premiums if you become disabled. The policy will return all premiums to you when you retire. Last but not least, make sure your agent is well experienced in business life insurance. Stay tuned for more tips on how to use life insurance and annuities to help yourself today and protect your family and business tomorrow. This is Prentice L. Allison, President of SPSI. Toll free number is 877 902 9048. I wish you well, and to God be the glory.
4: Just a little bit about who we are Chicago's Black Business Network is a grassroots business to business service designed to assist the individual business owner in his or her efforts to reach the next level of service and growth in the marketplace. It is our goal to provide a platform for businesses to connect across the city and the country. This is where you create relationships that are designed to take your business to the next level of success. Chicago's Black Business Network is growing. We now have 800-plus members, and it is our mission to plant the seeds and provide the tools for growth to each of our members. Visit us today, www.chicagos.com. The Chicago with an S, Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Join us today and touch the world. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder.
5: We're the soul of Chicago, WJPC.
4: Welcome back. You are listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black, All News, All You, for Saturday, October 29, 2011. Today's segment is Book Talk with Dr. Constance Shabazz. Dr. Shabazz is the co-owner of Books, Inc. in Chicago and has been in the book-selling business for over 30 years. Books, Inc. Bookstore is one of the few African-American-owned bookstores in the Chicagoland area, located at 1835 West 103rd Street in Chicago. That's right across from the metro train stop at 103rd Street. Visit Books, Inc. online at books. I n k online you may also contact them at seven seven three 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 zero four one one five seven seven three 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 zero four one one five I'm Sonya Cassandra Purdue, founder of Chicago's Black business Network and author of Black America, asking ourselves the tough questions book One, Twenty Ten, and constance co-host for this show let's welcome our host back to the show welcome back constance yes thank you thank you uh, uh sonia
1: i just want to uh just check in and find out uh if our first author is on
4: yes ma'am uh, he's in our uh, imaginary green room and waiting for you okay great great okay
1: Uh, Well, our first author uh, I just met recently, uh, he's published a book entitled Success is Automatic. Uh, He hails from um, the New Jersey area. He is also the CEO and co-founder of the New Breed Generation. Uh, So we'd like to welcome to our show uh, Shahid Abdullah.
6: Good morning, Constance, and good morning, host. And uh, good morning, listeners. Uh, are you able to pick me up clearly because I'm actually on the speakerphone? Can you hear me? Yes,
1: we can hear you loud and clear. So I alaykum to you, brother.
6: Walaikum well, uh, I was very flattered to um, be asked to be part and participate in your program and uh, in introducing, well, not actually introducing because it's broken out about a year now, but perpetuating the idea that I, the ideas I have in the book about success is automatic.
1: Um, well, i tell you what, uh, Brother Shahi, before we get into the book, could you tell us a little bit about your organization, the, the New Breed Generation Incorporated?
6: The New Breed Generation is a, is a company that I developed in, 19, in 2002, mm-hmm. uh, dealing with um, development of manufacturing of clothes. So I had noticed that the manufacturing industry uh, had moved out of the States and was seeds so what we started to do here develop a manufacturing company and I designing clothes I actually got a designing uh based on one of the principles in my book uh, I took up designing and clothes and made a, a new design It's a, a different uh we listening to in the past I mean seeing in the past um it's, it's western and east it has a pocket on the front and a pocket to, uh, centralized the common denominator between the African American people and our experience, and it also has the Western cut to give you um, that uh, look that African Americans like to be stylish. It's very stylish and cool. Um, so,
1: Brother Shaheen, yeah, you are starting to break up. Is there any way that you could change? Um, uh maybe the the
6: yes is this better yeah that better thank you yes um so basically that's how uh the new breed generation got started um uh and the new breed generation primarily is a manufacturing um company that we are developing to to manufacture clothes and um dealing with outer garments and undergarments uh this is um not a pet project of mine, it really is I think it's of need um, in the African American community especially in America but especially in the African American community. But as I said before, as new breed generation actually came about from the basic principles of my book uh, Success is Automatic and because uh, in the book I, I um, referenced that you should focus on your major or your single most important interest and until I did that I was sort of like going different directions in the Financial world, chasing money, doing those type things. But once I focused on my single um, most important interest, uh, develop new breed generation, a corporation, and a new new look, a new fashion, and it can be seen the online at thebelalian.com. The whole line is there, and what we're doing is uh, on that uh, particular um, site. Okay, great,
1: great. So, so when did you write the book?
6: The book I, I published in, in May of last year, first published it, um, it um, and I it, it, uh, developed it over a period of years, but when I first published it, and I started just uh, doing a self published type um, project. Uh, it, it's a book that's culminated based on experiences of other people and researchers, and what I found is a, a natural uh, core. In the development and success of people that uh, is expressed in different ways in other books, but is a very simple core. It's not as, it's not as complicated as a lot of um, other um, people may make it sound who have been successful. They make it sound like you have to almost climb a mountain to be successful. But that's not, that's only if you want to climb a mountain <laughs> to do that. But that's not um, the key. But that's what, I, why I start writing the book.
1: Well, I think that your title is very catchy. Uh, And I guess at first blush, you know, so many people are struggling just to, to make it every day right now in this economy. And so the idea of being successful, you know, has been replaced by just being able to survive. So what would you say would be some of the key points that your book brings out to the reader? to let them know that success is actually automatic?
6: Well, the key point uh, that I bring out in the book is that success is automatic because the human being was created to be successful. That's the only purpose we are here on this planet is to be successful. So in the book I describe how if you can unleash the, the natural powers within us and our industrious nature, we can achieve almost any dream we are after Most people are preoccupied with someone else's dreams, someone else's interests, and they they, and they go down that track. And what they find is just constantly uh, working every day, trying to make ends meet, based on somebody else's philosophy. But there are stories of people who were living in the streets, and living in cars, and living out of doors. Who, once they found their interest, became millionaires, became um, great authors, became movie screenwriters, because they found their interest. So the people who are struggling, they must find their interest. They must find their single most important interest, and that interest has to become foremost in their life. They could turn their life around and make a whole new um, uh, avenue for them to march up and down in in the world.
1: And, And that's an excellent point. I think, though, nowadays, particularly with what's been happening with the economy, that people have begun to redefine what success is. What is your take on that?
6: Well, uh, like everyone else, we all have a, a, a definition of success. But for me, success is finding the thing that interests you most and achieving that, uh, whether it be money, or whether it be selling houses, whether it be uh, uh, shining shoes. Everyone has to look at what is going to constitute the most important aspects of their life. If you had one life to live uh, and, and one thing to accomplish, what would that thing be if you could accomplish it? What would that be if you could um, get the, everything you need to achieve that goal? That would sort of give you an idea about what success would uh, constitute in that individual and he will then find out. The person will then find out whether they look looking to live someone else's dream or live their own dream. Because we look at someone else's success and think that's what we want to be. We see an actor, we want to be an actor. We see a, a football player, think we want to be a football player. We see an artist, we think we want to be an artist. Those are just those are just serve as something to inspire us. To really look inside to find out what interests us most. And what interests us most is what will make us happiest, especially when we achieve it. And that, to me, is success, achieving that which will make you happiest. which will, 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 will bring you um, pleasure, bring you satisfaction, bring you those things that will cause you to say, if I only lived this, I have lived everything. Great, great.
1: You know, so many people go by the mantra of go, uh, follow your passion and the money will follow, you know. And and I believe that, we, that money in and of itself is an overrated sign of success. Well, certainly we need money to function in this society, but the purpose for the money has been distorted. What's your take on that?
6: Uh, basically, money uh, is used like a carrot. Uh, carried the dingles in front of a a mule or a donkey to keep them moving. You know the old saying, how they put a carrot up in front of them and they and they follow the carrot. Actually, they're not they're carrying a the load for somebody else. They're not benefiting from the load they carry, but they're trying to reach the carrot the carrot so they can carry the load. That's the way money is used, and the concept of money is used now. People use money as a hook to get you to buy their product, or get you to buy their idea, or to get you to buy whatever they whatever they're trying to sell. They say you can get rich by doing this. And so people um, are hooked by that. So, And, and those who advertise uh, know that money uh, works like right that because we all need money. Money is only a currency. We can just understand that money is a currency to help uh, the flow of goods and services. If we could just get that idea, that's all money is used for. And then if we could look at what in the world, what in this whole creation is good for me, not Money, but good for me, good what I want to do. Do I want to be a singer? Do I want to be a writer? Do I want to be someone who helps children or someone who will help elderly people? You have to find those things and not let money be the, the focal point. Although most people, when they follow their dreams and follow their ambition, chances are they end up with a lot of money. That, that, that I found in my research is many people who focus on their interests, End up money like uh, Schwartz, who who um, got uh, Starbucks. He, he he followed his interests. He wasn't after money. He was really after because he loved, loved coffee, and he, mm-hmm. he was after his interests. Then Oprah Winfrey. We know the story. of Oprah Winfrey. She um she was always in and her mother says she remember when she was a little girl talking to with a corn cob in her hand, talking to crows on the on the fence. So it's um it's the interest that's more important. Money seems to be. Uh, It comes like a magnet to those who are successful. Success don't come because of money. Money comes because of success.
7: Mm,
6: Right. That's wonderful. And also, you know,
1: I think the reason why people who who have success, you know, are motivated and become successful, they attract money because – I truly believe that God identifies those vehicles through which he can manifest his goodness. So not that everyone who achieves success and is able to acquire large sums of money does the best by it. We know that there are a lot of greedy people out here, okay? We know about this whole uproar about Wall Street. But we know that there are also a lot of good people to whom God has blessed the ability to acquire money, because he mm-hmm. knows that these are the individuals who can use it.
6: They're good mm-hmm. stewards of it.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, I, I think that um, there's a misunderstanding about people with money, that um, there's a big misunderstanding about people with money are greedy, or people with money are selfish, people with money uh, don't like to help others. That, that, I find that not to be true. I find that the people with the, the the most amount of money are the most helpful in the society. They mm-hmm. They tend to give back a lot. They seem to give back their time, their money. They seem to be grateful for their achievements. Um, but the, the 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 idea that money and 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 evil and money and 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 selfishness and money go go hand in hand is not true. If a person is selfish, he's gonna be selfish if he's poor or rich. If a person is 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 greedy, he's gonna be greedy if he's poor or rich. It doesn't make any difference. He he's allowing a particular appetite to govern his life, and it's not money. It's his appetite to. Uh, to gobble, the appetite to gobble up things, his appetite to control. That, that is the appetite that they're following. So if they get a lot of money, quite naturally they're going to be greedy and go want more. If they get, they're going to be selfish. There are selfish people out there with money, but the majority of them I find are good people, are good-hearted people, are people who who do things. You never know they're doing it, but if you, if you look deep under who uh, who helped the young people over in the south side of Chicago to get something, or some people in Los Angeles get something. You look deep under that, you'll find it's a very rich person that has established that to try to help people to get off the off the ground floor.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, well let's go back a minute to your book. How have you used your book to promote your business?
6: Uh, just uh, the way I explained pretty much because my book, It is come come from my my business actually come from me following the principles of my book. So the 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 book itself is uh, promoted by the fact that I came up with the business, and uh, and the business is promoted by the fact that I came up with the with the the business, Um, and the business is based on those principles, and 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 people tend to uh, gravitate to the two ideas. So they go hand in hand, uh, and a lot of times, for a matter of function, I usually have both. I usually describe my clothes, be able to send people to the places where they can purchase them, or maybe may even have some on site at the time, and uh, and my books, and do book signing and things of that nature.
1: Now, do you do
6: workshops? You workshop? yes. you do workshops? Yes. Yeah, do
1: workshops? Yes. I'm asking, do you use the book uh, as, as part of uh, workshops that you do?
6: Absolutely. The book is part of the workshop because the, the workshops that I do are based on success. Um, all of them are not called successes automatically, but based on the principles. Uh, my workshop is a little deeper um, uh, because it, it deals with not only that a person can be successful, it deals with the nature of success and how it, why it works. You see, a lot of times um, we don't know there's a physical apparatus about the human being that's in our biological nature that causes success. And I deal with that in the workshops, a uh, uh, breakdown how um, the brain itself is made with a portion of it to react to the physical things around it and, and keep stored in it everything that happens in a human being's life. And that storage acts as a trigger trigger the behavior of the human being. And the more positive things we get in that area, actually the area is called a hippocampus. and we get it in that area uh, where the memory is stored, the permanent memory is stored, You can build positive thoughts, positive ideas and it's those positive thoughts and ideas that will act as fuel to surge us forward and, and and be successful. So I go through those in the workshop and workshop and show how each thing is broken down, and how we, and then we do some projects. We do a couple of uh, uh, work worksheets to show how we develop our most important interests. And uh, the workshops are uh, either the, the, the shortest is about three hours. Uh, they can go um, up to um, uh, you know like two parts in the day, but uh, like morning and yeah, afternoon. But the um, yeah, the workshops are a little more extensive than they. They uh, cover a little more ground, and they they also receive some of the information, and you get a success kit uh, that I give all the, the people who attend the workshop, and and then they can also purchase the book, and any I also have some other books that I have out are coming out too, and um, they can purchase those too. Great, great. Well, and
1: for tape. our listeners, uh, please share with us how they would get in contact with you first of all to to purchase your book and just to uh follow up with questions or inquiries that they have perhaps uh, about your workshops uh just give us that contact information
6: okay the the the, the website is called the golden tree is the golden tree dot com that's the website for the book um you can reach me at the website too you can reach me directly with my with this um number here is 908 908- Two nine six two five five eight. That's my direct cell number. You can get me at that number almost any time if you have any questions, and you can reach me at my direct email address. That's Shahid S H A H I D underscore Abdullah A B D U L L A H two thousand at yahoo dot com. And I'll get back to them. They can purchase uh the my new books will be on the that website too um they could purchase uh the books and the, and also the book is going to be an ebook too for those who like to purchase ebooks. It should be by next week. it should be in the ebook form
1: okay and is that the only place where they can purchase your book?
6: uh some of the stores um have' them, uh I'm not at any of the major stores I haven't put it in any of the major stores it's just at the, some of the bookstores like in philadelphia and, and some of the other areas um and i think um uh also oh, and you we have uh, something coming out to your way too um but um other than that they're mostly just purchased online
1: Okay, okay. And for our listeners, uh, if they would like to find out more about Shahid Abdullah and his book, Success is Automatic, you can also contact us at Books, Inc., B-O-O-K-S-I-N-K, like ink and a pen, at msn.com. Again, that's Books, B-O-O-K-S-I-N-K, at msn.com. Uh, just before we close out this segment with the, our interview with – our author Shaheed Abdullah. Uh Shaheed, I would like you to tell us how have you been using the electronic media to promote your book? Be it uh email, E Blast, uh, Twitter, Facebook, what have you been using to get the word out there about success is automatic? Uh
6: actually all of those, uh, primarily the email, E blast, um am Putting uh, together a large campaign now on the, um, Facebook, Twitter, and, um, and like I said, they, uh, we're finding that uh, there's a great call for eBooks. So we're doing that. That should be up by next week, and that's going to when that's up, and then all of the other media, the electronic media, we'll, we'll notify everyone through the electronic media um, about those. Because the electronic media has been very, very successful. That's where most of the sales are coming through. Uh, uh, through the email, that type of operation.
1: Great,
6: great.
1: Well, as we close out, are there any final words that you would like to leave with our listeners today?
6: Uh, yes, I would like to just um, leave with the listeners and to just to uh, let them know that uh, their success is within them. You, you don't have to go far. You don't have to dive under the ocean. You don't have to walk on hot coals. You don't have to jump in the mountains. Just start looking at yourself and be grateful for what you've been blessed with and find out what is your single most important interest, regardless of what anyone else is doing, find that out. And get as much positive information as you can about everything. The more positive you think, the better chances you'll be successful.
1: Thank you. Great, great. And we want to thank you again for joining us on this show. The information you imparted was invaluable. So thank you so much again. Uh, and uh, much success, because we know that you have the keys. You understand that success is truly automatic. Thank you again, and uh
6: salamu alaykum. and thank you, and, and thank the host. And you're listening on it.
1: All right. Thank you again.
6: Well, I'm going to turn it over to Sonia for
4: a quick break, and then we'll be back shortly. You're listening to Book Talk for October ninth, 2011, our host is Dr. Constance Shabazz, owner of Books, Inc. here in Chicago. Dr. Shabazz, before we go to break, we want to talk about one of the projects we're working on, which is the Author's Showcase, a special section coming up in the South Street Journal newspaper. You did talk uh, with the author about how we market our business. i just like to say that this uh is a new section. I looked around Chicago and I didn't see this offered uh, on the South Side of Chicago, where we showcase our authors, Dr. Shabazz, and we talked about this and we gave the, the we handed out the uh, flyers at the author showcase on the first and the fifteenth. So I'm very excited about this. Um, and Dr. Shabazz, I want to share a couple of things with you. I sent out an email to all of the authors. Uh, that I collected cards from, from the October the 1st and October the 15th showcase, just to say hello because I did make a commitment to purchase books and I'm going to do that uh, one person at a time. Did you get that correspondence, Dr. Shabazz? Yes, I sure did, sure did. did you? It, it,
1: it, okay. This
4: is a great opportunity
1: for those of you who are trying to find new avenues to get your work out there. One of the things that we have found at all of our showcases is that Authors love to write. They know that it has become easier to get their work into print. But the hardest part is once they get their work into print, they tend to get a little lost in the valley, so to speak, and don't realize that the next step, the most crucial step, is to have an effective marketing program. And so these are some of the things that we're trying to do. That's why Sonia and I have partnered to try to provide new avenues for Advertising and marketing. And so we'd love for you to sign on to some of these programs, the author showcase uh, the, in print media. We also have an author showcase on our website, which is Books Inc. Online. Uh, so www.books.inc.online. Inc. Uh, Online. So we're trying to do as many things as possible to help our authors. The, the previous author also mentioned about the ebooks. We're going to be putting together webinars, teleconferences and other workshops to help people to get their work into ebook format. One of the participants at the office showcase was a woman who is visually impaired and she was saying, "Where are the audiobooks? Where are the ebooks with uh, the readable com- component on there for people with visual impairment?" So, there there are markets, niche markets out there for authors that are sorely untapped, particularly when it comes to African-American interests. So we want to work with you. Sonia uh, is going to be giving you information how to get in contact with her. And, of course, we will provide you with information how to get in contact with Books, Inc. to follow up on these these wonderful opportunities.
4: I just want to say a little bit more about the author's showcase coming up in the South Street Journal newspaper. We sort of felt that uh, because it's a new venture and a new section in the newspaper that people really needed to see it in order to to fill it. It looks good to me. I know I put it together. But in order to really understand it and and get the value out of it, Dr. Shabazz, we felt that we needed to to put a page out there, let people uh, get, you know, just – See it, and it's going to be distributed to about twenty thousand Chicagoans, uh, and we made it very, very cost friendly. Call me at three one two two three nine eighty eight thirty five. But Dr. Shabazz, what we also what we also did this week is I sent out an email and said the first person who responds will give you a spot in this author showcase. Wanted to let you know who responded, Dr. Shabazz. Uh, oh, they were at the author showcase on. Um, October the first and the fifteenth. Now, uh a joy for noise press, she uh she responded and she has a section now coming up in our new author showcase coming out in the beginning of November. Also we gave away another one. Uh she was quick on the trigger, she was right there. Uh one of the six brown chicks, her name is Chandra Hughes. She was right out right. there on the money. So right. she is going to have her uh book cover there uh on in the new section of author shelter. So we're very excited. I love creating new projects. Uh as Dr. Shabazz does. That's why she got 100 and I do too. <laughs> so that's just the thing that we do. You know, and who was who was the author with the Joyful Make a Joyful Noise? And uh, Miss Kemp, Catherine Kemp. Great. Great. That's her. She was so excited. I love her card too. Uh, she was so excited. And you know another thing, Mr. Bass? So let me stop taking over your show. You know another thing I noticed about the authors at the author showcase? The materials that they handed. I was so wonderful with their uh their uh book markers. And how they set up their tables. and I just learned so much. Marketing is fundamental, just like reading. You're, <laughs> you're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, All Black, All News for All You, for Saturday, October 29th. This segment is really book talk with Dr. Constance Shabazz. I'm just contributing. I'll call at number 347 326 9477. Our chat room is open. Please leave your company information and website links in the chat room or or the name of your book. That's how we know who you are and that you're there, and that is marketing. Dr. Shabazz, let's go to a break, and we'll be right back. Thank you.
3: Black love. What is black love? Simple yet elusive, totally not exclusive question of the many who have sought it, but know not what it ought to be, and seek more. Black love, deceptive black love, looking at them fine asses through rose-colored glasses, put mommy through the paces, take her many places she ain't never been before. Black love, insatiable black love, checking out the new man in the flat upstairs and trying not to seem rude or crude, yet pursuing your desires and showing interest, black love, transitory black love, seeking financial wealth for the benefit of self. Getting more toys than most of the boys? Will this alone prove who's best? Best, best,
7: best, best, best.
3: Black love. Mm -hmm. Prodigious black love. Is it being seen in public places, looking in children's faces, while being hypocritically analytical about our bad past deeds? Black love
7: love.
3: Sincere black love love. love. What does it truly mean? It's a thing we somehow seem to constantly abuse Blatantly misuse To satisfy our own selfish needs Black love Celebrated black love Devoid of it we will constantly be In turmoil, disjointed and torn From the moment we're born, needing true love, the kind that always maintains.
7: Black love.
3: love. Righteous black love. My feelings are its when The spoken of begins to dedicate and eradicate bad connotations to our name. Black love. Conquering black love. It will never be defeated. We strive for all to see that we can do as we have done.
7: done, 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 done. Black love. Classic
3: black Black love. As a people, we have rich history and must show all others we can work in unison. unison. Black Black love. Transcendent black love immersed in the splendor of it we rehash, rehearse we'll then achieve that elusively persuasive thing we seek so if it's
7: black love that true black love we seek and want the meaning of
3: it's not elusive or unavailable there is no big mystique you see it's really quite obtainable we simply have to look inside Of that we're all quite able Loving who lives within Into search For true black love
4: Listening to WJPCFM Chicago's Community Affairs Calendar, powered by Chicago's Black Business Network. I'm Sonia Cassandra Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network. Join us today and Touch the World. The UAPA says that if we buy black, we can erase unemployment. The United American Progress Association asks that you save your receipts from each of the black-owned businesses where you shopped in the past month and bring them every fourth Monday to the United American Progress Association meeting at 1716 West 79th Street at 7 p.m. Once again, the meetings will be held at 1715 West 79th Street in Chicago at 7 p.m. each fourth Monday. For more information, call 773-952-8829. That's
5: 773-952-8829. We're the soul of Chicago, WJPC.
4: We're back, and you're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you, for Saturday, October 29th. Today's segment is Book Talk with Dr. Constance Shabazz. Dr. Shabazz is the co-owner of Books, Inc., bookstore in Chicago, and has been in the book-selling business for more than 30 years. Let's welcome our host back to the show. Welcome back, Dr. Shabazz.
1: Thank you so much, Sonia. I'm having a great time with this show. I'm learning so much, and I hope that our listeners are doing the same. Uh, But before we get to our next interview, uh, we would like to make a couple of brief announcements. The Salem Baptist Church uh, is hosting its business and bridal expo called Arise. And it's going to be held at the House of Hope, which is located at 752 East 114th Street. It's going to be on Saturday, November the 12th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. BookSync is going to be there, and we are going to be participating in the Literary Cafe. Now, part of our mission, as I mentioned before, is to help to promote authors. So what we are doing, we are looking for authors who would like to share a space in the literary cafe. The fee is $75. And for that fee, you will, in addition to having the space there, BookSync is going to be doing some aggressive advertising and marketing. We have an extensive e list, and we will be trying to get the word out about you and your work. So those of you who are interested in participating, you can contact me, Constance Shabazz, with BookSync. At 773 330 4115, or you can email me at Books Inc. That's B O O K S I N K, like ink and a pen, at com. Again, the phone number is 773 330 4115. At this time, we'd like to welcome our next author. Uh, she is a young lady who I met I guess about five or six years ago when we did a book conference over at Kennedy King College. Um, Yatasha Womack is a noted screenwriter and producer, and she's also an author. Yatasha's latest book is entitled Post Black, How a New Generation is Redefining African-American Identity. With that, I'd like to welcome our next author, Yatasha Womack.
4: Dr. Shabazz, I wanted to let you know that uh, Miss Womack is not in the green room, but Miss Brown is.
1: Oh, okay, okay. Well, thank you. Well, we're going to move right on. Hopefully, Natasha will join us later on. Uh, our next guest on our show is Laverne Missy Brown. Uh, Laverne is an avid reader. Uh, She's been the co-founder of several book clubs. Uh, She was the co-founder of the Roth Sisters Book Club and also the co-founder of Reader's Paradise Book Club here in the Chicago area. Missy, as she's called, has been known to be the go-to person for new authors. So many of them will send her their manuscripts for her to read. She is a reader's reader, a writer's reader, I should say. So with that, I would like to welcome to our program today Laverne Missy Brown. Hi, Missy.
8: Hey, Constance. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing just great, and I am so glad that you were able to join us this morning. Well, look, let's get right to it. Missy, tell us, <laughs> so how did you fall into this uh, this position of being a, a literary critic, as I call you?
8: You know, I didn't know I was in, until I saw that in something, and I said, "Oh, am I a critic?" But <laughs> I guess, I guess when, um, when I joined, and, and let me just make a quick correction because I wasn't one of the co-founders of Raw. I was one of the core review reviewers when they first started. Okay. Um. Yeah. But um. I don't know. I just love reading. My mom always kept me um, in books, and so I just grew up to love books, and as I got older, um, that just never left. And in that love of books, I also began to interact with a lot of authors, and in talking with authors, you know, they find out what we as a book club want, and I find out from them how we can help authors as a book club, and I guess it just took off from there.
1: Fantastic. So how long have you been doing this?
8: Um, I'd have to say it has to be now 11 years.
1: And how how, how do authors find out about you?
8: I think it's just Facebook and word of mouth because we now have not just authors contacting our book club and uh, they're now publishers, Simon & Schuster, topic uh, Communications are contacting us to review their books, to say, hey, I got this manuscript, can you let me know if this is something that the readers would be interested in. So I, I'm thinking that it has to connect. Somehow with the reviews that we write, and um it just goes from there.
1: oh, that's fantastic so mm-hmm. you the the publishers are sending you these manuscripts. heres my question yes. is 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 this before an author has locked in a deal?
8: We have one publishing company um that has sent us a manuscript before there's any deal on the table because what they're asking us is, do you think this is something that the readers would enjoy? So I was completely blown away when I opened that email. I had to ask um, the publisher, are you sure this is what you're asking me? Because I didn't know that that was really what he wanted. I thought he really wanted me to review, to so just review the manuscript but. He wanted me to tell him that this will be a good fit for their company.
1: Wow. Now, this is very yeah. revealing, you know, because it, I think it, it lets our listeners know that, you know, these are the kinds of processes that these publishers are going through. And it could be a life and death issue. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think people need to be very aware about you know, what the quality of their manuscript needs to be, but, you know, I'm not going to steal your thunder, so, hey, let's get to it. What are Mm -hmm. you looking, what are you looking for when they review a book?
8: I think, you know, speaking strictly um, from Reader's Paradise and um, from a couple of other books called Spanish Point, I think we're looking for a good read and a quick read. And just because something is a quick read, it doesn't mean that there's no meat to it. We just went to the Seventh Cavalcade of Authors, which is an event that Malayla Kai puts on every year. And there was well over 15 authors. I think it was like five different book clubs. And we all had a good time. in preparation of today, I asked a couple of the book club members, what what are they looking for when they read? And some of them said that they were looking for good dialogue um, and they wanted emotions. They wanted to feel what the author was writing, but also what the character was going through. And I think that part was huge because out of the few people that I spoke to, at least 85% of them were looking for emotion through the roof. They needed to feel the author's words and the characters' um, feelings in their issues.
1: And that's a good point. That's a good point. Mm
8: -hmm. So now, are you limited,
1: though, in terms of the types of books that you review, the genre? No,
8: not at all. But our book club focus is self-published authors and trying to get their voice out there and their book in the hands of someone who may not, Uh, normally pick up a book by that author.
5: However,
8: with that said, we're now rethinking memoirs because we're finding, and I don't want to offend or upset anyone, but we're finding that a lot of times memoirs are written almost like a, I got to get this off, like a vent. I got to tell someone. And the quality of the writing in that memoir is almost as if someone is sitting down having a conversation with you. The grammar is not up to par. There's just a lot of issues that we're finding with memoirs.
7: Hmm.
1: Okay, and, I, and I'm talking about that because actually that's something that we talk about in our, our webinar and presentation on How to Get Your your Book Published, manuscript Mm -hmm. to Literary Marketplace. So we're going to actually give a snippet of that before we end our show today, but this is a a wonderful segue to that. Oh, so, Zach, I have a question. If I was a new author, okay, and say I have completed my manuscript, what would be the process that I would go through with your book club to have it reviewed? Walk us through those steps.
8: Um, since at this point we only have a MySpace page and a lot of people, um, they seem to have hesitation with MySpace. Um, they can email us directly at readersparadise for the number four, the letter U at yahoo.com, and then they would just say that they have either a PDF. Or a um, ebook, however they have it formatted that they would like for us to read and review. At this time, it's just two reviewers that we have, and so our turnaround time is about five to eight weeks. Um, and we review from January through October, November and December. I'm actually closing out the book club getting it ready for 2012. Okay. Um, And that's basically it. So you have the book club,
1: but then you also Mm -hmm. have people who are specifically doing reviewing in the book club.
8: Correct. Yeah. We have the review team, which is also members of the book club. Not to say that you have to be a member of the book club to be a part of the review team, but it just works better that way for us because then the loyalty um, and the dedication I've found is a little bit better coming from the book club members as opposed to someone who just wants to review.
1: Okay, okay. So if I was a new author and I submitted this to you, is, is it all comers or do you select those? Manuscript that you're going to
4: read?
8: When an author reaches out to us in an email, I do one of two things. I'll either go on Amazon or on their website just to get a feel for the book, to see if it's something that we want to read um, and um, something we would enjoy reading. Now, that doesn't mean that every book that we've read, reviewed, it was something that we enjoyed, but our book club, um, the nucleus of our book club is the Lord, and so many books that are filled with a lot of curse words, um, we may not accept those. Okay,
1: but I can understand. Almost,
8: yeah, almost every, we've never turned down a book, and we've been in existence since 2006.
1: Great, great.
8: Oh, so, yeah. So, you know, so, but what if,
1: like I said, I'm a new author, and all I have really is a manuscript, so it's not on Amazon, or it's not okay. on wherever or anything like
4: that.
8: So then you and I would have a conversation about the synopsis of the book,
4: um,
7: mm-hmm.
8: and then, you know, sometimes you can tell from a conversation with someone, their vibe, something about them, and it'll just say, okay, yeah, let's go ahead and read this book. And I actually just did that with an author, and I was so glad that I read her manuscript. Um, Her name is uh, Laura Johnson, and she wrote a book titled Where Would I Be? And Hmm. it was an excellent read. I I thought as I was reading it that any woman who has gone through domestic violence should really pick up this book, and part of that book was the author's life. But great. it was well written, and it was just a good read. So yeah, in our conversation, I would just talk with the author a little bit just to find out if that book is something that we would choose, or that manuscript is something that we would choose to um, review.
1: Great, great. So okay, so you you've accepted my book or mm-hmm. my manuscript, and you've read it. What happens that, after?
8: After that, I reach out to the author and. and That's not the only time I reach out to the author. Because of my love for books and stories and characters, as I'm reading, I email the author. And I say, oh, my God, why did so-and-so do this? Oh, my goodness, I love what you did here. (laughs) As I'm reading, I'm emailing. But my very last email after I close that manuscript galley or whatever it is, um, is my review along with some things that, I may or may not have put in the book or mm-hmm. um, something that was missing or something that didn't flow right. So just a little bit of criticism um, and I would not put that those things in my review.
1: Okay. So you do both an informal critique as well as a formal written review? Yes.
8: Yeah. In my opinion I think that um, as a, for reader's Paradise, I'm only talking about Reader's Paradise. Our purpose is really to get that reader in touch with the author or with that author's book because it it deserves to be read, and even if it's not something that we enjoy, we still want someone else to read it,
1: okay, okay, but we're gonna touch on that a little more um okay, so. You've given me the feedback. Okay, let's say that I want to get my book picked up by a major publishing house. How can I use your critique to achieve that goal?
8: Um, I don't know that I've ever been asked that question. I I guess, um, well,
1: maybe a different way of phrasing it, if, if it's not something that can actually use to say validate the worth of my my work. So let, let's say, for example, if I can't really include that as part of a query letter or whatever with a publishing house, um, how do I use that information to help to make my my work better? What happens What 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 happens in the the ask, uh, engagement that you have with an author who who has asked you to critique their work?
8: Um, after I send them that last critique or the um, review, many times I don't hear from the author after that.
7: Hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
8: just, uh, what, what was her name? Um, oh, I can't think of this author's name right now. But just recently I had an author who emailed us back and said, because um, she was looking for someone to, to pick up her book, and on that side, I'm not that familiar with, but because I do have a circle of authors um, around me, I just threw out a couple of names to her, she picked one of them, and the next thing I know, she inboxed me on Facebook and said, Missy, my book, they took my book, and I haven't heard from her since that inbox,
7: Mm.
8: so I I just gave her a name, and she ran with it, and it oh, okay. paid off
1: for her. Fantastic. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. So um, back to this whole thing about you think you want to be sure that their work gets out there to the readers. What yeah. is the big do to help to achieve that goal for the author?
8: Um, on our Facebook page as well as our MySpace page, we um, recycle books that uh, we feel would be of interest of readers, especially self-published authors' books. Then we also do some e-blasts quarterly of the books that we've read. Um, Every book that I review, I put that review on Goodreads, Amazon, Facebook, as well as our blog on MySpace. Great. Yeah, and as I meet authors, um, if I know that they're doing something, uh, I will then take what they put on their Facebook page and share it on my Facebook page so that if there's a reader that's connected with Reader's Paradise but not connected with that author, they still get to see that information.
7: Great,
1: great. Uh,
8: Well, tell us, you know, I'm going to change
1: the – topic a little bit, Um, one of the things that I often hear when authors are trying to get their work out there, the publishers, the authors are always uh, being told, get your book to the book club. That's the target. Mm -hmm. What Mm -hmm. is the importance of the book club to the success of a book? What is it that you need Go ahead.
8: I'm hearing a lot lately that a book club can almost make or break a book. And I don't know if I agree or disagree with that, but I do know that a book club can help. And the reason they can help is our book club is is only seven members strong right now. However, each one of us have friends who read, and it's almost like that commercial and so on and so on and so on. So once we read a book, we're going to talk about it to almost everybody that we know, and if not everybody, even if they're not readers, because a lot of people, when they see you reading, they're interested, but they just can't discipline themselves enough to sit down and read it. But if they constantly see that's something you do, then they begin to, their interest begins to take over more so than um, their behavior
7: Right. So I think
8: right. I think book clubs can help, um, just because they're avid readers, just because they're book collectors. Um and like here in the Chicago area, for some it's kinda tough for publishing or houses to bring offers here. So with the readers going out there, buying those books, making that purchase hit the bottom, not sharing a book, not um <laughs> um, you know, you just have to get out there and buy the book so that these houses can see that it's counting. Someone's buying that book. because so that's what it seems like is the bottom, dollar. It's about the bottom dollar now.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the issues that has come up recently is, you're right, about the, the economy and how books are really seen as a luxury, so therefore the Statistics have shown that the readership at libraries has increased dramatically yeah. somewhere yeah. In, the, in the neighborhood of about 30%. Uh, waiting lists for popular books, you know, new releases is tremendously up. And also the impact that ebooks have had on, on the industry. Uh, not all authors have their books in ebook format, and that's going to be a, a big challenge for them to stay competitive. So, you know, can you comment on those things? How can we, in this bad economy, get people to read, given that, you know, again, like I said, books are a luxury? How can we get them out there so the author's books can get out there in the pipeline and stay in the pipeline?
8: You know, I'm going to say the Internet, even though I know that, um The Internet can make it harder for you to evaluate what's going on with your sales, but I still think that um, the Internet does a pretty good job, especially with reviewers out there reviewing books. Um, I also think that authors or houses have to be a little bit more um, generous with their advanced readers' copies. Um, Some of the self-published authors, they have to invest a little bit more Copies. They can't. They can't uh, throw that line at us anymore and say, "Well, I was only given two copies." That's not going to work because if you only have two copies, then you buy a couple of copies and get those copies in the hands of some of your most um, uh, well-known, I guess, if I could say that, reviewers. Or some exactly, of the reviewers and, and let me jump Amazon. right on that.
1: Let me jump right on that, because one of the problems that we have is that many times authors see this as a creative art instead of the business end of it, okay? Yeah. And to you look at it from the business end, then you're going to need to make the investment to make sure that your, your book gets out there into the hands of all the people that you want to, mm-hmm. you know, not only review it, but pass it on and get, get the word out there and make the buzz and get people to buy your book. Now, yes. one of the things that we find a lot of people do, they'll they'll print up a lot of books if they're self-published. They'll get these mm-hmm. books printed in anticipation that they're going to sell all of them. Now, yes, they may give it to a few close friends and family members, but beyond that, it says, okay, the rest of these are for sale. When yep. they're really strangling themselves, they, they need yeah. to, they're in, First of all, they need to do a business plan, okay. Uh-huh. And once they have business plan, it should be included that you have a certain number of books set aside to get into the hands of people that you think that you know will be avid readers who will pass it on. And that means carrying books around with you. yeah <laughs> you know, Making yeah. sure you got books in the trunk of your car, or uh-huh. if you're the metro train, you know, be sure you get your books with you or excerpts or something. Always yeah, use yeah. every opportunity to get them out there. And speaking
8: Absolutely.
1: of, and non conditional things, there's a guy, uh, Gary Norman. I'm not sure if you know Gary. He he wrote a book. His first book was called Pink October. And a couple of years ago, I remember running into Gary and you know driving a nice car and everything. And I said, Gary, how, how's your book going? He said fine. He said I he said I work the the beauty salons. I, he he would go in the beauty salons on the weekend. And he said he was averaging $700 on a weekend, okay? I think he was selling the mm-hmm. book for, for $10. You do the math, okay?
8: Uh-huh, on top uh-huh.
1: of that, so recently, I think it was uh, earlier this year or the latter part of last year, Gary did a a full uh, play. He did a play out at one of the community colleges out in the South Suburbs. We showed mm-hmm. up. He sold out the house two days in a row, okay? So yep. that just tells you that, you know, people who have persistence, you know, yes. they're going to be ahead. And his plan is for somebody to eventually pick it up as, as a, uh, a screenplay, you know, and have it uh, mm-hmm. on the big you know.
8: Yeah. As a result of his tenacity, I can almost guarantee you that when people constantly see him and hear him, they will say, let me see what this brother is talking about. And they'll go out and buy his book. Whether they have not read any of his work before, they will give him a chance because he's putting one foot in front of the other to get those books in the hands of readers.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's,
8: there's like a slew of websites where authors can just touch pages, lockdowns, and, and look at all the, the reviewers who have written four- or five-star reviews. And even sometimes a three, two, or one-star review, depending on why they gave it a one, if they've articulated that um, right. reason right. well enough. But you, I, it, it just says, this book is worthy of my time and my money, and I'm actually going to read it, or I'm going to give this book to a reviewer because of this particular review that he or she wrote. Right. And I, I think that that's one of the best ways that authors can uh get their books out there. We have authors contacting us almost every day and to review their work. And I feel blessed that someone thinks um well enough of the reviews that we have out there on Goodreads, Amazon and a couple of other social networking sites to ask us to review their baby. Okay. And I I try to email them with a disclaimer that says I'm brutally honest, and so I haven't had anyone say, "Well, that's okay, never
7: mind." <laughs> right.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, look, we, we're going we want to close out this segment, but you know, Missy, we still want you to stay online because uh, before we wrap up, we want to bring back our our uh, other uh, two authors. We, we do have our other author in the queue right now. We're going to get to her shortly. But could you just, uh, with some parting words, uh, talk about the whole thing about authors really selling themselves as opposed to their
8: books? You know, I would like to see authors having a dedicated couple of book books that they um, maybe not hang out with but use as a resource. Reviewers use them as resources, um, mm-hmm. and I think that that could help quite a bit. And let's not talk about whether e-books are hurting or harming. It's still getting into people's hands. They're still reading it, and for a lot of new authors, they have to depend on those e-books because a reader may not dish out twenty bucks for a book, but they will pay ninety nine cent or two ninety nine for an e-book. So, however it goes, we just got to keep on reading, keep on supporting the office, and um, just keep reading.
1: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and the point I was trying to, to, to make was that you know, also w- when you're out here as an author, it's one thing to have your book, you know, uh, in, in written form, but you again are really selling yourself. So, get, you know, yeah. honing your skills, becoming more personable. Getting out there, meeting people, yes. talking to them, you know, selling you first because that will automatically draw them to your book. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, even if the book is not really that good. You know, but, right. but we're really trying to promote good literacy. Uh, but the point is, is that you, it, it's a package deal. People are not just yes. buying what's on the paper, they're buying the person behind it.
8: Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. Email, chat room, Yahoo group, blog. Let's go for them. That's technology is
1: available to all, and remember the old door-to-door salesperson. So, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) So, look, Missy, we thank you so much. But, you know, we're not going to let you go. Hang on. Uh, We're going to just take a quick break, and we're going to interview our last author. And then we want to bring Missy and the authors back to just chat a little bit about uh, what. uh, just a little Q&A here between the authors and Missy about of the, the book clubs and the reviewers and what role that they can help uh role they play to help the authors become successful.
4: Uh so anyone wanna okay. take away, thank you. Thank you, Constance. You're listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you For Saturday, October 29th, this segment is Book Talk with Dr. Constance Shabazz. You may also listen to a rebroadcast of this show on www.wjpcchicago.com, the soul of Chicago. That's www.wjpcchicago.com. If you are interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, Give Constance a call at 773-330-4115. We'll be right back with more book talk after this break.
9: We couldn't break us down because we were so brave. My we kept our pride throughout the, year. my all the years. Work Worked hard and brave and No matter what the world has put us through. I
7: love
9: my We come out on top in everything we do. I to stay Won't you play with me? all work together, we know that we can win. I love the way we walk. I love the way we talk. I love the way we, the way we stand. I'm blessed because I do one want that. I love my people and there is no doubt. We're gonna be alright is what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm through
4: Are you hosting an event? Would you even think about leaving 20,000 folks off of your invitation list? Well, stop. What you are doing? Because you don't want to miss sending out an invitation to the 20,000 Chicagoland residents who read South Street Journal's new entertainment and dining section. Now, would you? The South Street Journal has been serving the Southside community for more than 17 years and has a loyal and expanding readership base. So whether you are hosting an event or cater to those who have events, you truly want to be in the next issue of the South Street Journal, call 312-239-8835 to place your ad now. This media package includes a webpage with clickable links to all advertisers in the entertainment and dining section of the South Street Journal. Success is just a phone call away. Call 312 239 8835 to place your ad today. 312 239 8835. Do you need assistance
9: preparing a business plan, business presentation package, grant proposal, proposal for contract procurement? or preparing documents for inclusion when responding to RFP's. If so, call Chandra M. Hooks & Associates at the area code 773-241-7110. That's Chandra M. Hooks & Associates, 773-241-7110. Phone now for your free phone consultation.
4: You are listening to Chicago's Black Business Radio Network, all black, all news, all you, for Saturday, October 29th. Today's segment is Book Talk with Dr. Constance Shabazz. If you're interested in being a guest on an upcoming show, give Constance a call at 773-330-4115. Welcome back to the show, Constance. Well, thank you.
1: Thank you. And I I love that music. Uh, it was called I Love My People by our local artist, uh, Oba William King. And uh, this just opens up for our next segment of our program. Uh, before we uh, bring on our, our last author, I'd like to share with you what I promised I would do a little earlier, and that's a, a portion of our webinar and our presentation on how to get your book published from manuscript to literary marketplace. And just a quick thing. I think that each aspiring author should look at their work and determine, does it satisfy one of these five, what I call five publishing mantras, okay? In other words, does your book educate people? Is it going to enlighten people? Is it somehow going to enhance them? Is it going to encourage them? And lastly, does it entertain? Now, if you're writing a family memoir, and really the only people who are really interested in that story are your family members or close friends, perhaps you should rethink whether or not you want to commercially publish this book because there's a big difference between the passion of writing and the business of publishing. So, again, when you look at what you're writing, determine whether it meets one of those five things. Again, I said to educate, enlighten, enhance, encourage, or entertain others outside of your immediate circle or sphere. And if it does, then that is the time to consider making that next step to publishing and becoming a published author and going into the business of being a published author. Thank you so much, and we're going to move on to our next segment. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, our next author that is coming on, I met her several years ago. She is a gifted screenwriter, has actually done several independent films. Uh, she is a producer, and also she's an author. Her latest book, uh, which is entitled Post Black, uh, is has become a commercial success. And so with that, I'd like to bring on Yatasha Woman. Good morning, Yatasha. Good morning, Compton. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, and it's so wonderful to have you here on this program. So let's get right into it. Tell our readers what your your book is actually about. Sure. Post-Black,
10: How a New Generation is Redefining African-American Identity is a project that takes a look at the diversity among the culture, but specifically with NX and black groups. And I really like and different aspects of the community that we don't only have conversations about, but are these aspects of the community are helping to shift just uh, black identity in the twenty-first century at large. So I talk about the you know, growing uh, professional groups. Again, um, the professionals. I talk about people who are um, black immigrants. I talk about the multi. Cultural, multiracial identity, um, which also falls under the black umbrella, and uh, talk about people other spiritual beliefs, neo feminism, etc. Okay,
1: Natasha, can I? Natasha, one moment. Are you on speaker? If you're on uh, speaker, no, you not. To... Oh. Okay. Sorry no, about that. You... Okay, can
10: you hear me okay?
1: Much better. Thank you. And could you start back at the beginning? I hate to do that to you, but...
10: Oh yeah, no problem. Uh the book is a project that's about the diversity in the Generation X, Generation Y uh populations. And when really we take a look at shifting uh black identity in the twenty first century at large, I talk about what I at one point said were communities within the culture that weren't always associated largely with black identity. Um, your black immigrant populations, your multicultural identity, your, uh, in some cases, neo feminism, your GLBT community, uh, your professionals. And not that these are new groups per se, but they are groups with growing numbers and they're helping to really redefine what we call black in the United States. And um, I also mentioned people of other spiritual beliefs who are, are black as well. And the book really just takes a look at some of these aspects. Um, I talk about artists who aren't hip-hop per se but are also in the Gen X and Y group. So it's topics for conversation, but it's really just a, a great framework to look at what uh, look at how Black culture is uh, shifting in many ways, and just what are some of these identities that we hold on to so dearly, um, and how they're transforming today.
1: Well, could you tell us uh, what influenced you to, to write, a, write this book on this topic?
0: Well,
10: it was interesting. I have written for you know a number of publications. And many of which targeted the African American community. And I found myself having conversations with, in some cases, people who worked with more traditional organizations. Um, that when I would bring up, say, the, uh, I, let's say I talked about people of their spiritual beliefs, or if I talked about, uh, your, your black immigrant population Sometimes I would have these conversations Where people would say oh well You know they act as if these were kind of Marginal groups that Didn't play a large role In the culture and maybe Therefore Didn't really need to be discussed When you're talking about Policies or even issues To, to write about In uh, black America And um, sometimes these conversations were, were generational. Um, there might be talks where I would speak to someone who might be a boomer and you know, of course the assumption is, oh, where are all the young progressive black people? You know, they, they talked as if everyone under forty five was in a gang. And <laughs> <laughs> so at some point I decided to feel as if there was a divide and perception between some of the changes that were taking place, and some of the people who were really leading the dialogue on what black identity uh, was at the time. And so it's really interesting. I came up with this idea before Barack Obama announced the presidency, but ultimately mm-hmm. um, got my book deal and started writing it about the time when he announced it and then finished it by the time he won. So it was a fun period to be exploring identity.
1: And, and, you know, I've, I've read uh, your book, and I was uh, quite amused, you know, being a baby boomer myself, uh, some of the stereotypical ideas that, uh, you know, we have about what is black. I mean, how, what was the take-home for you in terms of, you know, how we define ourselves as black people?
10: Well, it's it's interesting. of uh, uh, People take their identity very seriously. So, um, you know, there's a lot of general assumptions about experiences that you've had if you're a black American. For example, it's assumed that you're probably Baptist. And if you're not Baptist, then you're in the nation of Islam. Uh, It's assumed that you have very close ties to Southern American culture, which depending on where you are and who you are, you may or you may not. Uh, it's assumed that either you have the urban experience or meaning that you grew up in a, a, a all-black neighborhood that could fall under the banner of being the hood, or you were in a kind of a southern, southern uh, <laughs> what some people might call ghetto experience. Uh, it's assumed that. Your your ties are purely working class. You know, it's, it assumes that, uh, I mean, it's just a host of assumptions. It's, uh, even from, you know, the way you dress, the things you ate when you grew up. I mean, um, <laughs> right, <laughs> some of those right. things are relevant. Some of them are not. I mean, you know, of course, people are looking for shared experiences. There's nothing wrong with that. But it Mm -hmm. it does become a little isolating when if you haven't had these experiences, now people are saying, oh, well, then you're not really black
7: Um, or
10: your experience somehow doesn't typify the black experience, which depending, you know, you might not be reflective of the entire black experience in the United States. But then again, who is? Um, Mm -hmm. And then also I think a lot of the conversation Really was very American centric, uh, meaning it wasn't really, you know, the definitions of black, say, beyond the U.S. borders weren't really uh, put into play with, with some of these just assumptions. And it, it's just, it's interesting because, you know, black in many ways, we talk about it as a cultural identity, but it's a political one as well.
7: So, nope.
10: something like whether you grew up in the, you know, all-black neighborhood um, is, and you say you did not, then it's as if, okay, you're not engaged in the political identity of what it means to be black, and obviously that's anything but true.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, I, well, you touched on something I'd like you to speak on more. I mean, has this um, this perspective that we have, or narrow-minded, as I, I should say, has that Impacted us negatively politically?
10: Negatively politically. You know, I think for many people it has, and for many people it has not. Um, I think that there are many politicians, obviously, who are very much engaged in a kind of a multiculturalism um, because so much stuff, or they have to be, because so many things are shifting. Um, the assumption was that certain neighborhoods were black and, therefore, say, your congressional representative would be black. But if those neighborhoods start to change dynamics, they're, you know, uh, very multiracial, of course the person representing it could still be black, but their constituency is just much more dynamic. And so I think from that perspective, a lot of people are seeing a lot of changes but it's how do you articulate it to what is your theoretical base, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Uh, people see the changes, but, you know, especially at the top, but they don't know how to have the conversation uh, because it it requires just kind of a shift in thinking and sometimes mm-hmm. a shift in our perceptions of what we call solidarity um, for, for us to kind of address some of these issues, you know, deeply. Um, You can't just resolve, you know, the issue with a a cool saying and and get everyone galvanized. And I think you you see these shifts when you look at um, churches, for example. You know, the assumption was at one point if you want to reach uh, black Americans, you do organizing in the church. Well, everyone's not affiliated with the church.
3: Exactly. Um,
10: (laughs) So just the role of the church has changed, and and, and not in terms of, you know, a lot of the good work that they do, but – when you're looking at it as this this central piece of black American life, as an institution that someone is tied to, um, Mm. that changes things. When you look at uh, just the kinds of work that people do and how it takes them beyond communities. You know, a lot of businesses that you have now, you can have black-owned businesses that aren't necessarily in black neighborhoods and don't necessarily have largely black consumers. Which you know is fine, but when someone says like business that's not the the language that's always used
7: mm-hmm. um,
10: uh, you know that's not the association as a result. what other kind of policies or, or not just policies, but people who call themselves advocates or even someone who's trying to start their own business could be very limited in scope because they're they're thinking about having. You know, one kind of audience Or so I have to be based in one place Or if I'm not, you know, I'm somehow Selling out um, right. Yeah, I think it, it in some ways complicates The issues, but we Forget that uh, One of the benefits of the Civil Rights Movement is that people have more Opportunities, and it's Really about embracing those Opportunities, and sometimes I wonder if there's a reluctance to embrace some of these opportunities because it takes so many people out of their comfort zone.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, for many years, African Americans were in silos. I mean, that's what the ghettos were. I mean, so we operated within there, and so it was them versus us. But once, you know, we, quote, unquote, realized the dream of Dr. King where uh, we could travel about and, Intermingled with other races, that certainly there was going to be a sharing and exchange, and to a certain degree, some assimilation, cross assimilation. We've certainly seen that in the culture, you know. So, I just, right.
8: my my other question you
1: know, is uh, whether or not uh, there is still truly a quote unquote black agenda. Yeah, it's such an
10: interesting question. I don't have a well. Black being a political identity, of course, there is a black agenda, and the black agenda is the you know wouldn't be distinctly different from the Latino agenda or the Asian agenda if you're talking about just here in the United States, which is full access and equal access for everyone. I mean that's the American agenda, right? Yeah. Um, that is the equal protections offered uh, by our Constitution. So. That's really what our fight was about, to be able to have the same rights that were afforded to other people, also afforded to us. In that respect, you know, um, educational opportunities available for everyone, uh, economic empowerment, or people being able to change their lives using the resources here in the country at uh, will, I think is something that has not changed and it's been the goal for the past 200 or so years. <laughs> right, now, right, right. So I get a little confused sometimes when people talk about, um, you know, oh, what is the black agenda? I don't know if that's really changed, but obviously there's certain, you know, incredible progresses that have been made. Um, right. Are there some new kinds of goals? Well, if there are, then I would expect that there would be a, a, a team of people who represent a whole cross-spectrum um, of individuals to kind of determine that. But at the same time, I think it gets a little complicated. Oh,
7: definitely.
10: It, it gets very complicated because there's no spokesperson for black America. Mm. Um, and I'm not point. saying that there should be one. Um, right. And the the interests are so diverse depending on your experiences and then, of course, your belief with respect to the kind of access you have, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> perception of your own opportunity. If you feel yes. you have little to no opportunities, you're going to be in a different boat than someone who feels like they have a a, a wide range of them. Um, exactly. The realities behind that, you can argue or debate, but, So, that being said, you know, I don't have a problem with progress, but I do think it's a problem when what that progress is is being dictated by somebody else.
4: Exactly.
10: Um, And I think there's this illusion, and maybe it's not an illusion, you know, maybe it's a reality that I just choose not to accept, but the concept of there being gatekeepers to identity, you know, gatekeepers to who, you know, to who determines what a black agenda is, I think is a little disconcerting. I don't really understand that logic, to be honest with you. Um, But at the same time, I'm very big on advocacy and empowering people. Um, But empowering people does not mean, you know, we are the handful of people who can empower other people. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Right,
10: you know right, and I think we're probably at a time when that is not
1: as feasible as maybe it once was. Exactly, exactly, and, and I think that's the uh, argument that people had. They thought that Barack Obama was going to be the be-all, you know, for black people when you know he has taken a centrist approach and uh, you know tried to have a, a policies that will impact all people. So the, the commonalities of unemployment, the, the housing issue, you know, and, and that really captures uh, the, the needs of, of most of the population. Well, look, we're going to have right. to move on here, but I would like you to, to stay on. And But before we uh, bring on our other author and bring back Missy, uh, just tell us where uh, we could get your book.
10: Well, of course, we can get Post Black at your store, Books, Inc., uh, but it's widely available as well. You can get it on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble or, you know, most of your local bookstores, you can order it.
1: Great, great. Well, uh, what we'd like to do now, and thank you so much, Natasha. Thank, no, thank you. This is a
0: fantastic
1: book, and I, I want everyone to pick up a copy of it. Like she said, you can purchase it at BookPling.com. Our address is 1835 West 103rd Street. Our phone number is 773-3304-115. Our website is www.booksinconline.com. And uh, we'd like to bring back our first author, uh, Shahid Abdullah, and uh, we can also bring uh, Missy, Laverne Missy Brown back on. Uh, What I'd like the authors to do in the last uh, nine minutes that we have of our show today is uh, ask, uh, take this opportunity to ask Missy, you know, what are book clubs looking for uh, with regards to uh, the kind of reading material out there that they're willing to read and buy?
6: You asking about the book club? Yes. Oh, uh, that's Missy, I believe.
7: Yes,
1: yes. So, um, I mean, we, we'd like to go ahead.
8: Um, I think the main thing with books is that, and I think Constance touched on this as well, is that it edifies the readers in some way. And there's, don't get me wrong, there's an audience out there for everything. But um, I think a book that has believable situations and circumstances, um, emotions that uh, we want to feel, what the author is truly trying to convey, as well as what their characters are feeling, uh, strong heroines, and, and and maybe some weak ones, but absolutely um, women doing their thing and doing it with purpose, who have family and friends around them, fighting for them, supporting them. Well, not supporting them, but at least let it be a story that is believable and in some way we can see ourselves or a family member in that. And last but not least, um, I like to read about the alpha hero. Um, there's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It, it. It's always a good story with strong characters and um, uh, an a overall good like a bowl of chili
1: on a cold day. Satisfying, hearty. Now, now, what about those? Since both of our authors today are nonfiction writers, what are you looking for in nonfiction writing? What kinds of things are topical that you feel that book club readers that you are associated with are interested in learning more about?
8: Um. And I think the same thing. So if it's a book, if it's a self-help book, or like just recently I read a book on plumbing, and the author, I don't know anything about fixing anything, and I'm not really interested in it, but I had to get interested in um, plumbing because something was going on in the bathroom. The author <laughs> who wrote this book. He wrote this plumbing like it was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and I love peanut butter and jelly. So, if it's a book that's nonfiction, then it can't be so technical where we can't relate to it, but it needs to be technical enough so that we want to be a part of it. And I think the brother that you have online, he talked, let me get my notes, he talked about his book, and I immediately said, I'm going to his website. I want to see exactly what, um, let me get it, a new breed organization is about. Um, Great. So I, I I really was interested in that. And so, yeah, I think a lot of book clubs, um, as long as it's something that they can wrap their head around, I think they'll pick it up and read it or suggest it as a read for their book club.
1: Exactly. That's, that's great. And, and I think you hit on uh, the key word relatable. Relatable. No yeah. matter what it is, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, you know, people need right. to, to resonate with them. Uh, well, any questions from our authors?
6: Uh, I don't have a question, but I do have a comment. Is there Go right ahead. to make a comment? Oh, my comment yes. is that I'm very impressed. And uh, I want to thank you, uh, Constance and you know, and the hostess, the, um I'm impressed with the the what is out there in our community in terms of literally speaking uh because um it, it makes me feel like the African American people really have a bright future because I think this is just the tip of the iceberg uh, I I think that um this is uh, extraordinarily impressive to me uh because it um it's sort of proven a point I, I sort of had myself that there's a a regeneration or a resurging of the African American people that's going to take place in America as, as soon as we get our footing. I think this is a, a real good example of the footing that's is being captured by some of the writers and some of the idea of the writing the writing clubs and the and the, um, the authors that you spoke of with the new Generations. This is very impressive, very impressive. I, I feel very positive about our our, our future. Just listening great. to the program.
1: Great, great. Thank you so much. And Yatasha, any questions from you for for Missy? Uh well, um, I- Missy, when are you gonna have these folks at your at your day? And and by the way, Missy and her Uh, at Reader's Paradise uh, did a a book club meeting using Skype. So, you know, we don't have to fly people in anymore, okay? So that would be a great opportunity, yeah.
10: Yeah, you know, that would be be great. I I mean, I'm just so excited about all of the different synergy that's taking place, and I would love to, you know, just reach out to the the other guests that are online today because I just think it's great that so many people are doing great work.
1: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, we're, we're winding down our show uh, again. We want to thank uh, Shahid Abdullah, Yatasha Womack, Laverne Missy Brown for joining us today on this program. Like I said, this was our, our, our second broadcast. I'm excited about this. For those of you who, who yes. know me, I've been talking about doing a radio program for 10 years. And so, uh, you know, like they say, um, the, the opportunity had just had not presented itself. The opportunity came. I, I want to thank Sonia Cassandra Perdue, my producer, for allowing us this opportunity and helping to make this a great show. So we're looking forward to doing this again uh, next month around the same time. Our next broadcast is going to be on Saturday, November the 24th. Uh, That's during the Thanksgiving weekend, but I know many of you all will be at home kind of chilling it, as as they say. And so we want you to make sure that you uh, log on and call in. We want to hear from our our guests next time. We're going to craft out some time to allow for our call-in guests to to ask some questions. And so uh, with that, I, I want to, again, thank each and every one of you for joining us today. Uh, My name is Constance Shabazz. I'm co-owner of BookThink, and we're located at 1835 West 103rd Street in Chicago, Illinois. Our contact number is 773-330-4115. Our website is www.booksinkonline.com. And also, if you want to email us, we'd love to hear from you. We want to hear what you think about our program. We want your comments. For those authors who are interested in being on the program or book club members, we talked at our, our first time, we talked about having a virtual book club where we'll eventually have time carved out in our program to allow for book clubs to weigh in on, on the hot reads that they've they been uh, reading. And so we'd love to have you on. Also, um, we want to remind you about the upcoming Arise Expo at the House of Hope, which is located at 752 East 114th Street, that'll be Saturday, November the 12th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We're going to be in the Literary Cafe. If you're an author, if you are an author, or if you have some uh, literary-related business, uh, we actually have people who are going to be doing some work around uh, helping authors to market their work. Just give us a call. We still have space available. Again, thank you to our authors and to Missy, our our literary critic. And uh, thank you, Sonia. And I'm signing off. This is Constance Shabazz with Book Talk.